Good morning, everybody. Am I, am I loud enough? Are we all good? You know it's a pumpkin spice holiday bizarre time when I come up with lots of uh, <clears throat> clipboards. So uh, uh, we are going to have our pumpkin spice not next, this coming Saturday, but the following, uh, November 6th. And so uh, if you just put on your calendars, next Sunday is going to be a special day. And if we could get the whole congregation to work together to clean out this section of the building and we're going to stack a bunch of the chairs back there and we're going to bring in a bunch of display stuff for Pumpkin Spice Holiday Bazaar and that's going to be really, really great. And uh, so we'll do that early so that we are not rushed right before the event on Saturday the 6th. So next week, next Sunday, will be a setup day for a Pumpkin Spice Holiday Bazaar. And I'm glad that uh, Alton asked last week, what's the, what's the fundraiser for? Uh, many of you know and have seen pictures of all of the Belarusian orphans that we've helped over the years. Uh, some uh, teen and our early 20 young ladies uh, that we have helped over the year, Belarusians. And then uh, most recently before COVID shut things down, we were working with some uh, you know, late 20s, early 30, 30s ladies that wanted to start their own business. And that was pretty exciting as well. And so, uh, once again, we're doing the Pumpkin Spice Holiday Bazaar. But you have to know that Belarus is changing. Uh, what we experience here isn't the same as over there in many respects. They're, they're closing down all their nonprofits um, who have any kind of affiliation with outsiders. So, a lot of the nonprofits that we have worked with before are no longer going to be able to interface with us until um, such time there's a change in their civil uh, authorities. But we are able to work with the orphanages still and the, because they're government. And so the government loves it when we bring money over to help the, help the orphanages so they don't have to give their money. How does that work? Interesting. So anyway, we're still going to be working with the orphans over there. And uh, Oleg, uh, our wonderful interpreter, and uh, Sasha Yashnikov is uh, another good brother in Christ. They're going to help make sure that uh, the dollars and cents we make at the Pumpkin Spice Holiday Bazaar is going to go to those kids. So pretty excited about that. So in, this, in that regard, we have a clipboard that's asking you to bring a, a, uh, some kind of wonderful, fancy uh, pastry or dessert nicely packaged for the pumpkin walk. And uh, we got several people who have already signed up. And in years past, we've had lots and lots of people sign up. So um, I know my sweet wife is bringing an apple pie and a gluten-free cheesecake. So for you gluten-free fans, there you go. By the way, her gluten-free cheesecake is better than normal. I'm serious. So uh, I know because I've eaten a bunch of it. Anyway, so we have my good wife is doing several. And uh, I know you can tell. Uh, pumpkin, that's all this art. The back table is always filled with really awesome, just a huge variety of goodies uh, for the holidays that you can either give as gifts or consume before you give them as gifts. Uh, it's kind of cool. So that's really great. And then, of course, we need to clean the building. So I'm just going to start over here. We can make it all the way over to Julie. And then, Julie, if you could give these to the appropriate person. And I'm not sure who the appropriate person is. So there you go. Okay. Now... I really love that we are uh, super encouraging and supportive uh, here. And you know, these, these little purple slips, 
really are a small representation of the amount of praise and encouragement that goes on. You know, I, I'm so thankful for the many texts of encouragement as, and the cards and notes, and I try to do the same, so it's kind of great how that works. But uh, we have a whole bunch today, so it might take us a little bit. Mr. Compton, thank you for your example and for leading us from Max. Thanks, Max. You're awesome. Okay, that's for me. So anyway, uh, Mrs. Tamra, I'm glad for your feeling better. Ty, there you go. Isn't that great? Awesome. Ty Braxton and Max, always ready to help pass out books, pick up books, prayer cards, and to get all excited. Good work, boys. You too, Mom and Dad. There you go. Right over there to the, the Braxton and, uh, and to uh, Warrior Ty and uh, also to the Max. Very good. And Mom and Dad. Cynthia for braving my songbook experiment this morning. I know that. You did great. It was awesome. There you go. The experiment was successful. Ken, don't ever do that again. All right. <laughs> uh, Papa Ken. This wasn't written for me, obviously. <laughs> uh, I, I like how you lead song. Amen, Braxton. Woohoo! All right. Very, very good. Fellow, fellow Christians. Yeah, I know. Yeah, it's great. Fellow Christians, I am so grateful to all who offered prayers, encouragement, or brought meals. Please know I was in prayer for each of you also. God was very near. God was very near during my illness and reminded me to always look for his blessings. Amen. This is this is from Tamara, all of us. So if you want to put it up on that board over there where the other the red ones are, that would be great. All right. Let's see, I'll get a long one here while you do that. Okay. Oh, here's another one. Tamara. You are such a blessing to the church body, and I'm so glad to see you and get a warm hug today. Praise the Lord for your physical and spiritual strength in preserving through every challenge with a positive mindset. Amen. Amen. I'm so glad that God has brought you back to us. And, you know, I was worried sick, but I prayed, you know, and I know a ton of us were praying, so I'm just so thankful he granted you that you could be around and harangue us and, you know. And have you ever heard some of her jokes? Oh, my goodness. She is such a spiritual woman, but sometimes she just comes up with it and you go, and it really gets you. So anyway, thank you for being here. Mrs. Bragg, I love your positive attitude and beautiful smile. You are a wonderful encouragement. I could have written this. I don't know who wrote this, but they have a, they're like-minded. There you go. Mrs. Bragg, let's get up, Mrs. Bragg. Tiffany, thank you for being such an encourager. Woo, give it up for Tiffany. All right. All right, I, I got a little I got a little selfish here, sorry. I I praise the Lord for my three amazing sons. I so appreciate that they are using their gifts, talents, and abilities to serve the Lord. I praise the Lord for an awesome wife who is an amazing helpmate, uh, who has been instrumental in you in raising uh, these three amazing sons. And I have to tell you, you know how guys are always mission-minded and sometimes they miss the little things that are super important? My wife has been great in saying, honey, don't forget. And so, uh, 
some might say, well, it's all your fault. No, it's really not. It's Sharon's. So anyway, let's give it up for Sharon and, and the three boys back there. Thank you for serving. I appreciate it. Okay. I think that's it. Has anybody else got? Yes. Emma's birthday is on Friday. Emma's birthday is on Friday. You're not going to be 17, right? Okay. But you're closing in on 15 to get your driver's permit, right? That's pretty close. It's close enough to start worrying, Mom and Dad. All right. So just saying insurance, you know, how that goes. Sorry. That's so cruel. Sorry. Okay. So happy birthday, by the way. Anybody else having a birthday coming this week? Heidi. All right, Heidi. So was it 22 or 23? 21. Wow. Okay, sorry about that. It was it's okay still overguess? You know, because there's a time when you overguess, you're in trouble. So I'm glad. Okay, well, right there. Okay, good. So 21, congratulations. That's awesome. And okay, anybody else? Does this mean something? Okay, I thought maybe you're going, hmm. All right, here we go. Happy birthday. Happy birthday, girls. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, God bless you. Happy birthday to you. All right. All right. Well, we are going to finish today. I know you're probably excited. We're going to be finished today with the uh, being prepared to endure that mini series that we've been doing. And so uh, we're going to finish it up today, but I want to turn back to the book of Hebrews and chapter 12. And I want to read verses 1, 2, and 3, but our focus is going to be on verse 3. So Hebrews in chapter 12 and verse 1, 2, and 3. And I'm going to preach a little bit different today. Uh, it's not going to be like I normally preach. Uh, so uh, as you will see probably from the lesson plan, why it's not going to be quite the way I normally preach. Uh, Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1, 2, and 3. Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside, lay aside uh, every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider, for consider him who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Let's pray. This morning, Father, I would ask as we finish up this mini-series on, on how to really prepare ourselves uh, for whatever may come in the future, where we're going to need to persevere, we're going to need to endure, we're going to need to be steadfast, immovable, not set back, but always abounding in the work of the Lord. Father, we need to know how to do that. Jesus did it. It says it right here that he did it. He's seated at your right hand. He achieved the goal of being resurrected and seated with you in the heavenly places. And Father, our goal is that we would be raised from the dead and that we would be uh, seated with you in the heavenly places, that we would hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant, enter into your rest on that last day, that day of judgment. Now, Father, I just pray that you would 
help us to look, fix our eyes on Jesus who did it and accomplished it as a man. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. How did he do it? How did he go through a life, and I'm talking not just three years, I'm talking a life of, of constant strife and contention. You know, the Old Testament in the book of Psalms says that he was mistreated as a child. Now, you shouldn't find that to be strange if you were uh, in any kind of a public arena with other children growing up. You know that children can be extremely cruel. I don't know about you, but I both was the target of cruelty and I was also, unfortunately, sadly to say, one who was cruel. Now, kids are cruel. And you know, if you're not like everybody else, you're a target. And you, and it's kind of like henpecked. If you've ever seen that actually happen, it's sick, it's horrible when you see a chicken being pecked to death. And that is unfortunately what happens to young people and I think it was happening to Jesus. And I'll share with you why I believe that was true. Not just the scripture says that, that he was mistreated as a child. It says that in the book of Psalms in more than one place. It says that he was unattractive, and you know how unattractive people are oftentimes a target. Or people who would be considered nerdly, not like, you know, the cool kids, they're a target. It's kind of sad how that works. And the Bible clearly teaches that Jesus was invested fully as a child in learning and understanding the scriptures. Now, I'm not saying it's a nerdly thing for children to understand the scriptures. I think it's absolutely amazing. And, and I wish that at 12 years old, I was able to understand and know what Jesus knew at 12 years old. I wish that I had been a better parent and teacher so that my children would have known at 12 years old what Jesus knew. My belief is, is that they will know more than I because they got a start early on where I did not. So it's important for us to recognize, how did he do it? How did he live a 33 years of constantly being rejected, uh, uh, people hating him, people trying to, to, to destroy him, and then when he stepped into the arena of ministry after he was immersed into Christ or baptized uh, for, uh, to show us what the way of righteousness was, the devil unleashed on him. And it seemed to ratchet up as the years went by to the point of the most excruciating sacrifice. That's why they called crucifixion from the word excruciating. That's how he ended his physical life, but he won the victory for our salvation. How did he do that? He was a human being, as Kirk said, and Kirk has been working on and studying, is going to continue to lay before us uh, in the next several weeks and months on occasion how we know for certain that Jesus was 100% human as well as fully the Son of God. And Christian, you need to recognize, yes, you're 100% human, but if you are born again of the water and the Spirit, you're filled with the Spirit of God you have the same spirit as Christ and you have the, the, the completed law of liberty 
so you can know everything that God has called you to be and do as Christ did from the Old Testament and you can live that. In other words, Jesus had no earthly advantage. How did he do it? I think there's four things that we want to look at this morning. First of all, he knew who he was. He knew who he was. He knew he had come from heaven. He knew that he was a son, the son originally of God, and that he came so that there'd be other sons and daughters of God. There'd be other children of God. But he knew he was God's son. Now the question is, gentlemen, do you know as a Christian that you're God's son? With the full blessings and the full inheritance that Jesus received and will receive, it's yours right now. The fullness of deity dwells in you. And the book of Colossians says that clearly in more than one place. Throughout the scripture, it talks about being filled with the Holy Spirit. Filled, filled with the Holy Spirit. So gentlemen, you are sons of God. You are sons of light. Same spirit, same word, and you get to choose his faith. So Jesus had no advantage. He had to learn and grow, as Kirk has shared, as the Bible teaches. Ladies, you are daughters of God, filled with the Spirit. And you have the same power that Jesus had to change every life situation and circumstance. Did you ever know that Jesus, when he walked in the room, he changed things up? It didn't matter who was there. Pontius Pilate, the governor who had the power to kill him. Uh, if you remember anything about the scriptures, he put that guy on his head, didn't he? That guy was reeling. Don't you know I have the authority to kill you? Well, actually, chief, <laughs> that authority was given to you. And my father wasn't given it to you. No way. What? And then his wife goes, this is a righteous man. Have nothing to do with him. He is even more freaked out. Here's the guy that has all the authority and he's freaking out and shaking in his boots. And Jesus is going, that's the way it is. Wow, Jesus was able to walk into any situation and change the environment. Did you know that you have that power? You have that power within you. You can change somebody's day from a rotten day to a good day. You can bring someone the message of salvation and change the rest of their eternity. You need to recognize that what we're about to share you are able to do. Now, let's take a look really quickly. First one, he knew who he was. At the age 12, look at chapter 2, Luke chapter 2. And you know this one very, very well. But it's important to recognize, how did he do that? How was he able to do that at 12 years old? I mean, I don't mean to be mean, but I'm just going to say it myself. I'm not sure if I could do that at this age. I would hope. But take a look. Here it is, Luke chapter 2, and uh, we're going to pick up verse 41. Now his parents went to Jerusalem every year to the feast of the Passover, and, and he became when he became 12, he went up there according to the custom of the feast. And really quickly, his parents left him there unknowing. And six days later, they show back up in Jerusalem. They went three days out, realized he wasn't with them, goes three days back. So that's six days. Where was he? He was hanging out in the temple teaching the doctors of the law. Notice what he says here. Verse 47, And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. 
When they, his parents, saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us this way? Behold, your father and I have been anxiously looking for you. And he said to them, Why is it that you were looking for me? Did you not know that I had to be about my father's business? But they did not understand the statement which he had made to them. And he went down with them and came to Nazareth. And he continued in subjection to them. And his mother treasured all these things in her heart. Now, how at 12 years old was he able to understand that he was the son of God, that he was the savior of the world, that he was the Christ, the king over all? How did he know that? I mean, you don't come out of the womb knowing, hey, I'm a son of God. You don't know that. You don't have the cognitive ability. At the age of 12, you can cognitively begin to understand the abstract. But you know what? When you're a kid, they say, and I believe it's true from the age of one to about five or six, you're absorbing, absorbing, absorbing what reality is. So mom and dad, you have a really important job. You have, to, you have to show them Christ. You have to show them God. You have to show them the amazing, beautiful bride of Christ, mom and dad. You need to do that. Because those little ones will learn. We need to recognize that it's true. That they, and you talk to psychologists. Help me out here a little bit, Tiffany that the formation of the mind of what reality is in those first five or six years is absolutely critical, isn't it? Absolutely. And that's people who don't know nothing, and they know something. God said, so he knew. How did he know? Well, who visited Mary? Uh, Mary, I know that you've been faithful to your betrothed husband, but I got news for you. You're going to bear the Son of God. Okay, so Gabriel says your son is going to be the savior of the world. Give him the name Jesus. God saves. And then when Joseph finds out, he's thinking, well, the best thing I can do is probably secretly put her away. And guess what happens? The angel comes to him and says, Gabriel, I know that's probably what you think is right. That's wrong. The baby inside of her is the savior of the world. Name him Jesus. Notice they had... God speaking through the angels to them directly. And then when he comes into the world eight days later, what do they do? They go down to the temple and they have two prophets, Anna and Simeon, say, this is the salvation of mankind. Amen? They heard that. Oh, by the way, I'm sorry I missed one. Remember when he was born and he's in the manger? They had a ton of guests called shepherds who said, the angels told us the Savior of the world is born and he's in a manger and this is him. Your son is the Savior of the world, the Messiah that we've all been waiting for. You know what? How did Mary forget that? Of course he's going to be in the temple teaching the doctors of law the who and what for of God's great plan of salvation, of course. But you know what? Jesus continued under their authority. And they continued to teach him. He grew in wisdom and stature. And all that time, he was treated like dirt because he was unattractive, as the scripture says, and because people brought a lot of contention into his life because he was different. At 30 years old, he gets the call. 
He's baptized to begin his earthly ministry. You know, it's rather interesting. Couldn't be a teacher until you're 30 years old. That's why he waited to be baptized until he was 30 years old, so he could be a rabbi. You see, he was doing everything according to what he had understood from the scriptures. And so he showed how to open up the way to righteousness through immersion. And then what happened? You know, the devil let loose on him. I want you to take a look here at verse uh, Matthew chapter 3, verse 13 through 17. Matthew 3, verse 13 through 17. When Jesus arrived from Galilee at the Jordan coming to John he to be baptized by him, but John tried to prevent him, saying, I have need to be baptized by you. Do you come to me? Jesus answered and said to him, Permit it at this time, for in this way it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he permitted him. After being immersed, baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending as a dove and lighting on him. And behold, a voice of the heavens said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Now, Jesus already knew that. That was no news to him, but it was news to everybody else. And Jesus, from that moment on, began to clearly tell everybody that he was the Son of God. Go to the Gospel of John. I am the Son of God. 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 I am who I am. And everybody wanted to pick up stones because they realized he's saying, I am God in the flesh. You need to recognize and understand Jesus knew who he was, God in the flesh. Now here's the question, Christian. Do you understand that you are God in the flesh? Does the fullness of deity dwell in your body? No, I don't think so. I know I'm not sure. Well, guess what? You haven't been taught correctly. When a person is immersed into Christ, they're filled with the Holy Spirit. Filled, filled, filled with the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God dwells in you, Christian. That makes you a son of God. You're born again. Remember, if you don't have the Spirit, you're not a child of God. If you do have the Spirit, you are. Romans chapter 8 and verse 9 clearly teaches that. You belong to him, Christian. You are filled with him, Christian. As he says in the Gospel of John in chapter 14 and verse 23, now if you love me and keep my commandments, my Father and I will come and make our abode with you. Abode means home, where I live. The Father and the Son through the Holy Spirit live in you. That's what the scripture teaches. Do you believe that? Well, here's the question then. Do you know who you are and what your potential is? You know, people ask me, why can you do what you do when, you know, you have all this terrible stuff happening to you? Well, you know what? As a human being, I freak out too. I'm just telling you. But I stop and go, now wait a minute. What did the Apostle Paul do? What did Timothy do when he was in prison? What did Jesus do when the, you know, life was horrible? What did he do? Did he shut down? Or did he go, this is the best opportunity for me to show what God looks like. And that's when the great and awesome pictures of the power of God in the worst of human experience touches hearts. So much so that the Roman centurion below the cross said, surely he was the son of God. Because he saw God in the flesh. A human being, Jesus, the man, showed the world God. 
So the next point is, he knew his purpose and mission as God's son. Do you, as a son or daughter of God, what's your purpose in this life? What is the mission? What are you supposed to be doing? Let's quickly take a look. He glorified God in all he said and did. Take a look at the Gospel of John in chapter 17. Some, you know, lively uh, dinner table conversation. It's amazing. We get chapters 13 through 17, and it's at the Last Supper table. And notice what he says here. He closes with a word of prayer. Jesus spoke these things. Uh, chapter 13 through 16, verse 17, Jesus spoke these things and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that the son may glorify you even as you gave him authority over all flesh and, and to all whom you have given to him, he may give eternal life. Now look at verse three. This is eternal life that they may know you and the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I glorified you, Father, on the earth, having accomplished the work which you have given to me to do. Now, Father, glorify me together with yourself, with the glory which I had with you before the world was. Verse 4 says, I glorified you on earth. You know what the word glorified means? It literally means, as some of you know, to make big so people could see it. Jesus made God the Father big in every word and every deed so people could see it. You know when people really see light is when it's the darkest. When it's the darkest. And we are luminaries in a perverse and corrupt generation, it says. What are luminaries? Lights. By the way, you know the scripture says that we are sons of light? You know, I gave you some scriptures there that you can go back and take a look at. Ephesians 5, verse 1 and 2 and 8, who you are, sons of light, sons of God. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9 and 10, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a, God, a people for God's own possession. That's who you are. Well, that's nice. Understand what that means and you'll change the world. You'll change every situation that you walk into if you know it and you embrace it and you Fulfill your purpose. Glorify God in your body. Notice what Jesus did there in John 14, verses 1 through 10. You see, people should see Jesus in you. If they're not seeing Jesus in you, they're just seeing you. Sorry to tell you, you're pretty pathetic without Jesus. Now, you may not like that statement, but you know what? If you understand the scriptures, that's exactly the truth. You can do nothing, Jesus says, in John 15, you can do nothing if you are not tied in to the, the root and the, the stock. You're just a branch. But if there's no root, you're dead. We need to recognize and understand when Jesus says this, and just jump down to, to verse 7, talking to, to Philip. He says, if you had known me, you would have known, or to uh, Thomas, if you had known me, you would have known my father also. From now on, you know him and have seen him. Philip then says to him, well, Lord, show us the father. It's enough for us. Jesus said, have I been with you so long and you yet have not come to know me, Philip? If you've seen me, you've seen the father. Wouldn't it be great if you could say, hey, if you've seen me, you've seen Jesus. People would go, uh, that's a little strange. But the reality is if you're a Christian, if you're a Christ one, who should they see? Who should they see? 
They should see Christ. That's why we should fix our eyes on Jesus. So, so he knew his purpose. You know what his purpose was? I'm going to show everybody God. You know what our purpose should be? I'm going to show everybody Jesus. By the way, Jesus was God in the flesh. And you know who you are? God in the flesh. God's in the flesh. Walk by faith and they'll see Jesus. That's how it works. His mission was to seek and save the lost. You know Luke chapter 19 and verse 10. I've come and seek to seek and save the lost. That's what he says. But I want you to take a look at another one. John chapter 3, not verse 16. John chapter 3, verse 17. Now we all can quote John chapter 3, verse 16. For God so loved the Lord, gave him only God's son, whoever believes on him should not perish without eternal life. Yeah, I know that one. Do I know what it means? I hope so. But you know what? Chapter 17 is amazing. You know, God did not send Jesus into the world to judge the world, but that he should save the world. Christian, that is your picture. You're not judge. Do not judge people. Discern their need for Christ, but do not judge them. Do not go say, well, uh, am I uh, a Christian? Just say, you know, what does the Bible say? Am I going to go to heaven? What does the Bible say? Am I going to go to hell? What does the Bible say? Let God bring that judgment. You bring the gospel message and love to help them become a Christian. That's how you do it. Jesus never condemned anybody when he was a human being. That's our example. Do not be condemning people. Do not be looking down your nose at people. You know what? All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And if you judge somebody for their sin, well, what about your sin? Are you judging your sin? Are you taking care of your sin? Or are you just looking down your nose at others? Don't do that. That's not Jesus. That's so nasty. Hypocrisy is what it is. Super important. We recognize our mission is to help people become Christians. Now, this is important. Not everybody's meant to go out and knock on doors. Not everybody's meant to go, hey, you want to have a Bible study? Not everybody's meant, but everybody's meant to live the life and be ready to give a defense of the hope that's within you and then draw people into that relationship with Christ. Bring other people in who can help come alongside you to teach. And many of you, I think, could do just a great job since you don't think you can. You can. The great teacher lives inside of you. Jesus is the great teacher. He lives inside of you. He wants to get out and teach. You can do it. First through kindness and gentleness and then through the word. So as a sister, as a Christian, what is your purpose in your mission? 1 Corinthians 6.20 You've been bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your bodies. That's what we're supposed to do as Christians. Take a look at this next one. This is not a very common one. Uh, 1 Corinthians 10, verse 31, uh, down through chapter 11 and verse 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, we don't talk about this one very much, but it's definitely uh, right in there with what our purpose and mission is. Notice it's, it's together. Uh, God put this together through the uh, Apostle Paul. Look at verse 31, 1 Corinthians 10. He says, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Make God bigger. By the way, when you go out to a restaurant, do you pray for your food? Yeah, I just don't. And you're praying? Is that how you pray at home? 
No, when I pray at home with my family, we, we, we pray. We're out loud. You're saying, oh, you're just trying to show off. No, I'm just honoring God. You know what's really cool? Is that but a lot of people come up, and I don't know if they're Christian, and they go, oh. And they wait. They go, oh, here you go. They know something. They didn't have to do that. But they saw something different. And you know, I've had people come up to me, and I know some of you have shared with me as well. When you pray, when you just can pray just in the way you normally pray. And people will come up and go, wow, I sure appreciate there's still some faithful folks left. I've had people actually say that to me. Yeah, see? Now some of you have too. Hey, you know what? We should always thank God for our food. By the way, uh, John chapter 14, verse 11 and 14. After he says, if you've seen the Father, you've seen me. He goes, now, guess what? It's your turn, Christians. Go back and check me out. John chapter 14, uh, verse 11 through 14. Just because Jesus showed the Father doesn't mean that we get left behind. We get to show the world Jesus. Now look at the next one. He knew he must suffer. Man, it bugs me when preachers won't talk about Christian suffering. Jesus suffered. And if you're going to walk in the footsteps of Jesus, guess what's going to happen to you? What? You're going to suffer. That is what the scriptures say. You know what? I'm going to have you look at these. John chapter 9, verses 30 through 32. Jesus knew in advance he was going to be killed. He knew in advance. He knew everything that was coming. He says, I am going to be persecuted. I am going to be scourged. And I'm going to be turned over to the Gentiles. And they're going to kill me. And then I'm going to be raised up on the third day. He said that over and over and over and over again. He told them in advance. Oh, and he also says, oh, by the way, a student or a disciple is not above his teacher. If they hated me, I got news for you. They're going to hate you too. Oh, and if they persecuted me, I got news for you. They're going to persecute you. And they're going to hunt you down and they're going to kill you. Jesus actually said that. You're saying, I don't like this particular sermon right now. You know why this sermon is not preached in very many churches? Because people don't want to know that. I just want to know the blessings. Come on, preacher. I liked your Bible class lesson a lot better than this one. I know you're not thinking that. But would I be a terrible preacher if I said, oh, it's all pixie dust and unicorns and, you know, chocolates and, you know, and, yeah, it's not that way. The devil is gunning for the church to destroy it. Now, I am, I am not going to bring any graphic illustrations up here, but you know that in public school they're not teaching the Holocaust anymore? I wonder why. That would never happen here, would it? Not in our constitutional republic. That would never happen here. Christian, wake up and start reading the scriptures. Just north of us, it's happening right now. Right now, there's persecution up north. I said up north, across the border. Oh, but that's a really wonderful place, just like the United States. It's happening up there. It's happening down south. It's happening in East Asia. It's happening, it's happening everywhere. 
or this little island. Brother, we need to be honest about what man can do to man to be prepared. I know this is an uncomfortable topic, and I'm being very vague, but we really do need to help others understand, and we need to understand what man is capable of doing to man. We have a scripture chocked full of what man is able to do to man. And I think Satan has just perfected the art in this late stage. So, brethren, I am so excited to be a Christian. I really am excited. Because the very best opportunities for us to win souls and change hearts is now and in the future. It really is. I am looking forward to the day when a soldier says, after watching me and how I interact with him and with the other guards and with, that they'll say, that man was the real deal. That man was a, a child of God. I've never seen anything like that before. Now you're saying, well, that's a weird picture. That's the picture of Jesus Christ. That's the picture of Jesus Christ. How did he do it? He knew in advance. He did not deny it. He said, that's my life. I don't know when. I don't know where. I just know that's what the scripture says. What is 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 12? So anyone who desires to live godly in Christ Jesus, what? Will be persecuted. Just go back and look. Do we need to fear? No, why? Because that's the best opportunities for us to lead others to Christ. It's the best opportunity to show our purpose, who we are, and our mission. It's the best opportunity. As you well know, more people have been asking for Bible study than ever before. In, in my experience, 11 people in the last two months have been asking and seeking and I think it's only going to get better. You see, the wealth of nations is pouring into Zion right now. Are we ready to receive them? Are we ready to help them understand? The only hope in this life is in Jesus Christ. Now, finally, Jesus did it because he did not entrust himself to anyone or anything but only the Father. Go back to 1 Peter. Look at 1 Peter. Now, this is a great passage of Scripture 1 Peter and chapter uh, 2. And I want to begin in verse 21 because this gives the whole picture here. For you, Christian, have been called for this purpose since Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example for you to follow in his footsteps. When suffering, live that amazing life so that you'll pierce the darkness and draw people in. What does it say there? Post the Old Testament who committed no sin, nor was any deceit found in his mouth. And while being reviled, he did not revile in return. And while suffering, he uttered no threats. But here it is. Here's how Jesus did it. But kept entrusting himself to him who judges righteously. And he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that they might die to sin and live to righteousness. For by his wounds, we've been healed. Look, brethren, there were so many people that became Christians because Jesus was willing 
to faithfully and righteously suffer until his last breath. Don't give up, like Brother Kirk said. Make the choice that you're going to power through. But how? Know who you are. How? Know what your purpose is as a Christian and the mission that you have. That should ever be in front of you. That why, that's why that centurion became a Christian, I'm confident, because that was a death statement that he made. Surely he is the son of God. For a Roman to say that was a death sentence. And all his men, the hundred men that were there, heard him say that. You know that's true if you know anything about Roman history. Oh, by the way, the Roman jailer. What happened? He confessed Jesus and was immersed into Christ and became a Christian. Why? It's because Paul, in the, one of the worst times of his life, lived the character of Christ. Brethren, do you see the pictures we have in the scriptures? Those pictures should motivate us, get our minds set that that's who we are and how we're going to respond in the future. Just like our brother Jeff has said, and as our, as our brother uh, uh, Ryan said this morning during prayer, hey, look, you need to get in your mind how you're going to perform when things happen. You can't just go, okay, well, I'll figure it out when I get there. It doesn't work that way. Get your mindset like Jesus did. He knew he was going to suffer, and he knew that he was going to trust God, and he would make it. And he did. And he brought a whole host of folks to heaven with you know what my plan is? To bring a whole host of people to heaven with me. You know what all of our plans should be? Is to grab as many as we can grab in the time that we have. With what we know. Brethren, that's really what this is all about. You know, I kind of cherry-picked uh, some of the things I'd share. Go back and read all of the scriptures. It's amazing how Jesus did it. If you're not mentally prepared... If you haven't understood who you are, what your purpose and mission is, that you are going to suffer, and that your trust needs to be only in God, you're going to have a hard time. But if you embrace those and understand those, you're going to power through. Is it going to be easy? Absolutely, positively not. Is it going to bring great reward in this life and when you enter into heaven and see all those folks? that believed you and followed through and they became Christians too? Absolutely, positively, yes. Brethren, this is the greatest time to be a Christian. I remember when I was a young Christian, I said, Lord, I would love to be there at the end. I think he's going to grant me my prayer. And I'm excited about that. Not concerned and fearful. Excited. Because you get the right mindset. Jesus wanted to make it to heaven. And he did. Do you want to make it to heaven? Do you want your kids to make it to heaven? Do your friends and family to make it to heaven? Stay the course. And know those four things. And embrace them. And learn them and grow in them. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for your word. This is the greatest time to be alive. This is the greatest time to be a Christian. It's the greatest time to fully understand what's going on. And Father, we just need to continue. Even when things are around us falling apart, we, we can be perplexed, but not despairing, for we know who we are and where we're going. 
And Father, I pray that we would embrace the truth of your word in these four areas of Jesus' life because he did and he made it. And I pray that we'd recognize that we need to embrace those things so that we can make it and bring a host of others with us. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. All right, let's get excited and get her done. What did Jesus say to do? He said to go. Get all excited, go tell everybody that Jesus Christ is king. Get all excited, go tell everybody that Jesus Christ is king. Get all excited, go tell everybody that Jesus Christ is king. Jesus Christ is still the king of kings. King of kings. All right, let's get her done. Thanks once again for listening. To download today's lesson plan or find out more about Cornerstone Truth Podcast and our church, please go to www.cornerstonetruth.org or email us at thecornerstonetruth at gmail.com. Have a blessed week.